All right. Let's get in formation. <laughs> All right. So it's about time to tackle this semester. That's right. Amen. And we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's right. That's right. And we're going to be there for each other. All right. All right. All right. You ready? Repeat after me. Grow community. Grow community. Grow spiritually. Grow spiritually. Ready? Break. Woo! Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Anybody? Anybody? Some of you aren't Super Bowl fans. This here's an American football. And there's this little game. It's a very American cultural event, right? It's kind of consumerism at its height. Like one minute of commercial is like, what, 14 million this last time? Uh, so we spent lots of money, we the American people, uh, to try to sell you stuff. And we also played a game. And if you watch uh, American football or other team sports, you'll notice that teams will huddle up, kind of like community formation just did. Um, and the coach will kind of give a little pep talk, will kind of help guide the team and focus the team so that they can hopefully go out and win the game, right? Go out and do their best. And so if you'll allow me, you know, those of you who know me know I kind of like to have fun. I like to laugh, so just humor me, right? Can I today, as a community formation director, just be a coach? Come on, can I, can I coach you? Can I tell you today that um, I'm for you? That I want you, while you're here at Asbury, to thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. And that the formation team wants to see you uh, build community, find your friends, just like Abe was testifying, and, and to grow spiritually. We want you to get a great education, but we also want to urge you into transformation, that this is a wonderful opportunity, a season of your life, and we hope that as you graduate from Asbury, you will say, I've been more and more transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. And so today, if you'll allow me, I just, I feel like coaching the team, the Asbury team. And our playbook today is out of Hebrews 10. So if you have your Bible, you can look with me there at Hebrews 10. I need these, I'm getting older. Um, Hebrews 10, the context of Hebrews 10 is a pastoral coaching letter. And it's a letter written to the, the first believers who were struggling, who were facing persecution, who were enduring lots of trials. And so uh, the writer of Hebrews was giving some grounding, some firm foundation of what their faith is, what we believe. And then he was calling them, exhorting them to action. To some practical steps. So we're going to look together. We're starting uh, at verse 11 of chapter 10, and I'll just say that if you read all of Hebrews, which I strongly encourage you to go back and look over, one of the big themes in Hebrews is that Christ has been our sacrifice and our high priest, right? The lamb that was slain, the perfect 
pure Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and the mediator, the high priest who was able and continues to be able to be an intercession point for us, right? And so as we start in verse 11 here, um, there's a contrast, right? talks about every priest has to offer a sacrifice over and over again and how the priests are human and sinful themselves and so it's a temporary sacrifice. And then here's the contrast, but Jesus, but Jesus... Um, when he came, he offered a single sacrifice for sins, a one time for eternity, and he has now sat down at the right hand of God. And since then, he's waiting till his enemies are under his feet, which is a real um, throwback to the book of Psalms, which is where we find that verse. And it's a kingly picture the picture of a ruling king who sits on a throne and their enemies are under them. And, and it's, it's also a picture of a just judge. I'm glad Jesus is a just judge caring about justice. And so Christ, offering the sacrifice, sat down at the right hand of God until his enemies are his footstool. Verse 14, By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, those who are made right with Christ. And uh, that's a great word for us, isn't it? Maybe that's something you've heard several times and you feel like, well, I've got this down. But sometimes we need to be reminded, don't we? For by a single offering, he has perfected us. And then it goes on, the Holy Spirit testifies to us. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit testifies to us. Anybody heard about the witness of the Spirit? Come on, help me out. Anybody read a sermon by John Wesley? (laughs) The little guy. Right? He's got a whole sermon on the witness of the Spirit, and it wasn't just his idea, it was in the book. It's in the book. It's right here in Hebrews. It's in Romans. The witness of the Spirit. So here's a question for you today. Do you know the witness of the Spirit? And in Romans, there's a a definition given. It's when the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we're children of God. Assurance of faith. Um, John Wesley would describe it as like an inner impression given to your spirit, an inner impression from the Holy Spirit to you. And so today I simply want to exhort us, um, that's a great gift. And if you're not sure if you've ever experienced the witness of the Spirit, ask today. Holy Spirit, come and witness to my spirit that I'm a child of God, part of the family of God. I love that. And then he goes on, the Holy Spirit testifies to us. And now here's another throwback, back to the Old Testament again, back to the prophet Jeremiah. You can find this same passage in Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I'm going to make with them, 
right? He's talking of the new covenant when I will put my law in their hearts and write it on their minds. And so this is a call for where we, the believers, are to focus. We're to focus on our relationship with Christ and what Christ is working in our hearts and in our minds. That's where we're to focus. And look in the next verse, we see where God's going to focus on this relationship. He's going to focus on remembering their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So with God, there's a desire to give grace today. Did you know Jesus is for you? Do you know, not just up here, that Jesus wants to offer forgiveness and that he has offered the sacrifice to cover? You know something about forgiveness? It really does require humility on my part to be forgiven by God. Because it'd be easy for me to be proud and say, Jesus, it wasn't enough. I still want to beat myself up. Hmm? But to say, Jesus, your work on the cross is enough. It's more than enough to cover me. And by faith, I'll receive. I hope it wasn't something I said. Verse 19, therefore, anybody else want to get up? <laughs> Just playing with you. Therefore, I remember Ben Witherington would say, therefore, you got to look what it's there for, right? So the therefore word is referring to all the passage in Hebrews before this moment, right? Since Christ has been our sacrifice, come on. Since Christ has been our sufficient sacrifice and our high priest, therefore, here it comes, therefore, sisters and brothers, therefore, friends, we can have confidence. Confidence. How do we have confidence? Confidence to approach God. And not so much confidence in ourselves and in our good works, but confidence in Christ. Here the scripture says, uh, by the blood of Jesus. Right? By the work of Jesus. By the new and living way that Christ has opened for us. This is the way. This is the new way. Some of you caught that. I see that smile. Thank you. This is the way. This is the new way Christ has opened for us. Then it, in verse 21, it talks about the house of God, the house of God. And then verse 22, it says, let us. I just want to pause here and say, notice in this passage, just these few verses, the us, the household of God, sisters and brothers, friends, let us, let us. Do you see the corporate nature in this text? The community calling in this text? I just want to say, sometimes we in North America, our Christianity is too American. Right? 
American culture values individualism. If you watch the commercials for the Super Bowl, it's all about me, the consumer. I'm the center of the universe. And our culture is very individualistic to a fault. And the scripture calls us to the us. The us. It calls us to uh, not only me and Jesus, but me and my brothers and sisters. Me and the household of faith, right? Abe was testifying just now about his brothers, about people he was banding together with in a DNA small group, and they were going to do life together. That's a picture of community. And so here in verse 22, he says, Let us approach with a true heart, with sincerity, with honesty. I mean, we don't fool God. So when we go to God, let's not pretend. Let's be real with God and with one another. Sometimes in Wilmore, sorry, I just got to say this. Sometimes in Wilmore, we practice a plastic holiness. We try to look better than we is. And I said it wrong on purpose, Cindy. We try to look further along on our journey than we are. Let's go for real holiness, not the plastic stuff, shall we? Let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean. That talks about cleansing. It talks about standing other, under the covenant of grace. Man, I want to stand under grace. That's good news for my soul. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. I think the writer wrote that because he knew that the people had reasons to waver, reasons to be weak need. Times were tough. Come on, does anybody feel that now? Is that still relevant for us today? This word of encouragement, let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. How do we not waver? We focus on the one who is faithful. Huh? How do we stand in the midst of trials and struggles? The one who is faithful. Come on, is this in your Bible? He who has promised is faithful. When I'm unfaithful, he's still faithful. Why do I love? Because he first loved us. That's faithful. The confession of our faith, what we say almost every time we meet, especially with the Eucharist, we proclaim the bedrock of our faith. Christ has died. Come on. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's do that again. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Those aren't trite little-isms. That's the bedrock of our faith. Thank you. So it says, let us hold to that without wavering, for Christ is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how to provoke one another in love and good deeds. I mean, I just feel like grabbing the football again. Let us consider, let us focus on how we're going to provoke. 
How about that word, provoke? That's used one other time in Acts. It's used when Paul and Barnabas have such a irritating conversation with each other that Barnabas takes John Mark and goes to Cyprus. And they part ways. So, the last time that word provoke was used, it was kind of a negative connotation. It was a strong discussion. Any, any of you ever have strong discussions or it's just me? So isn't it interesting that the writer takes that word provoke and flips it on its head and gives it to us served up in the positive. Provoke one another to what? To meanness? To Instagram bashing? To let's be judgmental Christians you just rip on each other? Slander each other? Is that what it says? No. What does it say? Let's provoke each other to what? Love and good works. Thank you. Provoke each other to love. Give a little kick in the blessed assurance to love. Thank you for that. Some of y'all are too tame. We need to provoke to love. Huh? How about the Asbury community be known for its love? Be known for its good works. That we aren't just going through the motion, but we're serious about being a kind of community that's countercultural and why the rest of the world is polarized and ripping at each other. We're a community called to love and good deeds. I think that's a needed word. I think that's a needed word for our age. Then it goes on. Don't, don't neglect to meet together, as is in the habit of some. Don't neglect to meet together. <sighs> Two years of a pandemic, can we just be honest? Most of us have neglected some of that. Huh? I mean, we were taught to neglect meeting together because... I was sick and I didn't want to give it to you, or you were sick and you didn't want to give it to me, and we were social distancing and we were not getting together for two years. Our habits have changed. Is this not a word for us? Not neglect to meet together, as is the habit. So I just want us to talk about our habits. It's easy to get into some habits that don't help us grow spiritually and lean into community, isn't it? We need worship. Jessica's not just up here saying that because she happens to be the dean of the chapel. She's saying that because she really believes we need to come together to worship. I'm up here saying you need a small group, not because I happen to be helping with that ministry project, because I actually believe if you have a group of brothers, a group of sisters who've got your back and are praying for you, you'll actually go further for your growth. I believe that. I need that. Listen, ministry's lonely out there. You need a band of brothers or a band of sisters who are praying for you, who are spurring you on, provoking you, encouraging you to love 
and good deeds. And then he closes with, and all the more encourage each other as you see the day approaching. Encourage each other. Let's talk about that word. I have a little beef. Huh, Danny? I got a little beef. Sometimes in Christian circles, it's nicey-nice. It's, oh, I like your hair and I like your clothes. That's not encourage. Encourage is like truth and grace kissing each other. How about that for a Valentine's message? (laughs) Truth and grace. You know, it's an act of love if somebody loves me enough to speak the truth into my life. Do you know that? Do you risk hard conversations with people because you love them that much? And if you're given a hard word, how are you giving it? This is a relational and social skill we desperately need in our churches. Don't just run over people. Don't just take the cup. Jessica preached a great sermon last week. You need to go back and listen to it. We talked about how we have these treasures in jars of clay. What do you do with somebody's clay jar? Do you spike it like a football? No, we handle each other's clay jars with care. And when we have a hard word, all the more care. Dr. Ellsworth Callis taught me the concept of we need, when we encourage each other, when we do truth and grace together, we need velvet-wrapped bricks. Velvet-wrapped bricks. Before you say a hard word to a brother or sister, remind them that you're for them. Let them know you care and that you're coming from a place of love. Chances are if you just want to put them in their place, it's not from a place of love. So get out that velvet before you throw that brick. I love that teaching from Ellsworth, our professor, Jessica. And we who are in the church need to learn how to walk that line of truth and grace. Spurring each other on towards growth, being real, being honest, but also filled with love and encouragement. Hey, guess what? My jar's clay too. And so is yours. So let's be careful with each other. And all the more as we see the day approaching. How How the future is determines my today. Ooh, that's good, Joey. I'm going to say that again. How the future is determines how I live today. Because I follow Jesus, I'm living differently. Because Christ will come again. Because Christ will come again. I'm not just a gerbil on a treadmill. I'm not just flapping my my energy around and wasting it. I'm trying to live with purpose. And that's to encourage us. Brothers and sisters, any of you who are facing discouragement, all the more, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is faithful, and he will come again. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you have sent Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you have been faithful to your promises, that you have been more than able 
to cover us with grace. So, Lord, would you just come now and minister to us your grace, your forgiveness, your witness of the Spirit that we are children of God. And would you encourage us to encourage others with great zeal and fervor, provoking us to love and good deeds. God, transform us. Take these humble clay jars and fill us to overflowing with your spirit that we might be a called community to go together as we eagerly await your coming. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as the band comes back up to lead us in a song, I want to give you a small homework assignment. Don't worry, it won't be graded. But um, as you're going to lunch or hanging out with some friends sometime today, ask each other, what's something from the book of Hebrews, what we were just looking at together, that you needed to hear today? Can you process, process that a little bit in community? What's something out of the word in Hebrews that was good for your soul today? Can you do that together? All right. Amen.